0: Section 25, part 2 of Myths and Legends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Graham Redman. Myths and Legends of Ancient Greece and Rome by E M Berens. Section 25, part 2. The labours of Heracles continued. 9. The Girdle of Hippolyte The Amazons, who dwelt on the shores of the Black Sea near the river Thermodon, were a nation of warlike women renowned for their strength, courage, and great skill in horsemanship. Their queen, Hippolyte, had received from her father Ares a beautiful girdle, which she always wore as a sign of her royal power and authority, and it was this girdle which Heracles was required to place in the hands of Eurystheus, who designed it as a gift for his daughter Admete. Foreseeing that this would be a task of no ordinary difficulty, the hero called to his aid a select band of brave companions, with whom he embarked for the Amazonian town Themisira. Here they were met by Queen Hippolyte, who was so impressed by the extraordinary stature and noble bearing of Heracles, that on learning his errand, she at once consented to present him with the coveted girdle. But Hera, his implacable enemy, assuming the form of an Amazon, spread the report in the town that a stranger was about to carry off their queen, the Amazons at once flew to arms and mounted their horses, whereupon a battle ensued in which many of their bravest warriors were killed or wounded. Among the latter was their most skilful leader Melanippe, whom Heracles afterwards restored to Hippolyte, receiving the girdle in exchange. On his voyage home the hero stopped at Troy, where a new adventure awaited him, During the time that Apollo and Poseidon were condemned by Zeus to a temporary servitude on earth, they built for King Laomedon the famous walls of Troy, afterwards so renowned in history. But when their work was completed, the king treacherously refused to give them the reward due to them. The incensed deities now combined to punish the offender. Apollo sent a pestilence which decimated the people— and Poseidon a flood, which bore with it a marine monster, who swallowed in his huge jaws all that came within his reach. In his distress Laomedon consulted an oracle, and was informed that only by the sacrifice of his own daughter Hesione could the anger of the gods be appeased. Yielding at length to the urgent appeals of his people, he consented to make the sacrifice, and on the arrival of Heracles the maiden was already chained to a rock in readiness to be devoured by the monster. When Laomedon beheld the renowned hero, whose marvellous feats of strength and courage had become the wonder and admiration of all mankind, he earnestly implored him to save his daughter from her impending fate, and to rid the country of the monster, holding out to him as a reward the horses which Zeus had presented to his grandfather Tros, in compensation for robbing him of his son Ganymede. Heracles unhesitatingly accepted the offer, and when the monster appeared, opening his terrible jaws to receive his prey, the hero, sword in hand, attacked and slew him. But the perfidious monarch once more broke faith, and Heracles, vowing future vengeance, departed for Mycenae, where he presented the girdle to Eurystheus. 10. The Oxen of Geriones. The tenth labour of Heracles was the capture of the magnificent oxen belonging to the giant Gerion or Geriones, who dwelt on the island of Erithia in the bay of Gadria, Cadiz. This giant, who was the son of Chryseor had three bodies with three heads, six hands, and six feet. He possessed a herd of splendid cattle which were famous for their size, beauty, and rich red colour. They were guarded by another giant named Eurytion, and a two-headed dog called Orthrus, the offspring of Typhon and Echidna. In choosing for him a task so replete with danger, Eurystheus was in hopes that he might rid himself for ever of his hated cousin. But the indomitable courage of the hero rose with the prospect of this difficult and dangerous undertaking. After a long and wearisome journey, he at last arrived at the western coast of Africa, where, as a monument of his perilous expedition, he erected the famous Pillars of Hercules, one of which he placed on each side of the straits of Gibraltar. Here he found the intense heat so insufferable that he angrily raised his bow towards heaven and threatened to shoot the sun-god. But Helios, far from being incensed at his audacity, was so struck with admiration at his daring that he lent to him the golden boat with which he accomplished his nocturnal transit from west to east and thus Heracles crossed over safely to the island of Erythia. No sooner had he landed than Eurytion, accompanied by his savage dog Orthrus, fiercely attacked him. But Heracles, with a superhuman effort, slew the dog and then his master. Hereupon he collected the herd, and was proceeding to the seashore when Geriones himself met him, and a desperate encounter took place in which the giant perished heracles then drove the cattle into the sea and seizing one of the oxen by the horns swam with them over to the opposite coast of iberia spain then driving his magnificent prize before him through gaul italy illyria and thrace he at length arrived after many perilous adventures and hair escapes at mycenae where he delivered them up to Eurystheus, who sacrificed them to Hera. Heracles had now executed his ten tasks which had been accomplished in the space of eight years, but Eurystheus refused to include the slaying of the hydra and the cleansing of the stables of Orgias among the number, alleging as a reason that the one had been performed by the assistance of Iolaus, and that the other had been executed for hire. He therefore insisted on Heracles substituting two more labours in their place. 11. THE APPLES OF THE HESPERIDES The eleventh task imposed by Eurystheus was to bring him the golden apples of the Hesperides, which grew on a tree presented by Gaia to Hera on the occasion of her marriage with Zeus. This sacred tree was guarded by four maidens, daughters of night called the Hesperides, who were assisted in their task by a terrible hundred-headed dragon. This dragon never slept, and out of its hundred throats came a constant hissing sound which effectually warmed off all intruders. But what rendered the undertaking still more difficult was the complete ignorance of the hero as to the locality of the garden, and he was forced, in consequence, to make many fruitless journeys and to undergo many trials before he could find it. He first travelled through Thessaly and arrived at the river Echidorus, where he met the giant Cycnus, the son of Ares and Pyrene, who challenged him to single combat. In this encounter, Heracles completely vanquished his opponent, who was killed in the contest but now a mightier adversary appeared on the scene, for the war-god himself came to avenge his son. A terrible struggle ensued, which had lasted some time, when Zeus interfered between the brothers, and put an end to the strife by hurling a thunderbolt between them. Heracles proceeded on his journey, and reached the banks of the river Eridanus, where dwelt the nymphs, daughters of Zeus and Themis. On seeking advice from them as to his route, they directed him to the old sea-god Nereus, who alone knew the way to the Garden of the Hesperides. Heracles found him asleep, and seizing the opportunity held him so firmly in his powerful grasp that he could not possibly escape, so that, notwithstanding his various metamorphoses, he was at last compelled to give the information required. The hero then crossed over to Libya, where he engaged in a wrestling match with King Antius, son of Poseidon and Gaia, which terminated fatally for his antagonist. From thence he proceeded to Egypt, where reigned Busyris, another son of Poseidon, who, acting on the advice given by an oracle during a time of great scarcity, sacrificed all strangers to Zeus. When Heracles arrived, he was seized and dragged to the altar. But the powerful demigod burst asunder his bonds, and then slew Buzyres and his son. Resuming his journey, he now wandered on through Arabia until he arrived at Mount Caucasus, where Prometheus groaned in unceasing agony. It was at this time that Heracles, as already related, shot the eagle which had so long tortured the noble and devoted friend of mankind. Full of gratitude for his deliverance, Prometheus instructed him how to find his way to that remote region in the far west where Atlas supported the heavens on his shoulders, near which lay the garden of the Hesperides. He also warned Heracles not to attempt to secure the precious fruit himself, but to assume for a time the duties of Atlas and to dispatch him for the apples. On arriving at his destination, Heracles followed the advice of Prometheus. Atlas, who willingly entered into the arrangement, contrived to put the dragon to sleep, and then, having cunningly outwitted the Hesperides, carried off three of the golden apples which he now brought to Heracles, but when the latter was prepared to relinquish his burden, Atlas, having once tasted the delights of freedom, declined to resume his post, and announced his intention of being himself the bearer of the apples to Eurystheus, leaving Heracles to fill his place. To this proposal the hero feigned assent, merely begging that Atlas would be kind enough to support the heavens for a few moments, whilst he contrived a pad for his head. Atlas good-naturedly threw down the apples, and once more resumed his load, upon which Heracles bade him adieu, and departed. When Heracles conveyed the golden apples to Eurystheus, the latter presented them to the hero, whereupon Heracles placed the sacred fruit on the altar of Pallas Athene, who restored them to the garden of the Hesperides. Twelve. Cerberus. The twelfth and last labour which Eurystheus imposed on Heracles was to bring up Cerberus from the lower world, believing that all his heroic powers would be unavailing in the realm of shades, and that in this, his last and most perilous undertaking, the hero must at length succumb and perish. Cerberus was a monster dog with three heads out of whose awful jaws dripped poison. The hair of his head and back was formed of venomous snakes, and his body terminated in the tail of a dragon. After being initiated into the Eleusinian mysteries, and obtaining from the priests certain information necessary for the accomplishment of his task. Heracles set out for Tenerum in Lacolia, where there was an opening which led to the underworld. Conducted by Hermes, he commenced his descent into the awful gulf, where myriads of shades soon began to appear, all of whom fled in terror at his approach, Meliaga and Medusa alone excepted. About to strike the latter with his sword, Hermes interfered and stayed his hand, reminding him that she was but a shadow, and that consequently no weapon could avail against her. Arrived before the gates of Hades, he found Theseus and Pirithous, who had been fixed to an enchanted rock by Aedes for their presumption in endeavouring to carry off Persephone. When they saw Heracles, they implored him to set them free. The hero succeeded in delivering Theseus, but when he endeavoured to liberate Pirithous, the earth shook so violently beneath him that he was compelled to relinquish his task. Proceeding further, Heracles recognised Ascalaphus, who, as we have seen in the history of Demeter, had revealed the fact that Persephone had swallowed the seeds of a pomegranate offered to her by her husband, which bound her to Aedes for ever, Ascalaphus was groaning beneath a huge rock, which Demeter in her anger had hurled upon him, and which Heracles now removed, releasing the sufferer. Before the gates of his palace stood Aedes, the mighty ruler of the lower world, and barred his entrance, but Heracles, aiming at him with one of his unerring darts, shot him in the shoulder, so that for the first time the god experienced the agony of mortal suffering. Heracles then demanded of him permission to take Cerberus to the upper world, and to this Aedes consented, on condition that he should secure him unarmed. Protected by his breastplate and lion's skin, Heracles went in search of the monster, whom he found at the mouth of the river Acheron, Undismayed by the hideous barking which proceeded from his three heads, he seized the throat with one hand and the legs with the other, and although the dragon which served him as a tail bit him severely, he did not relinquish his grasp. In this manner he conducted him to the upper world through an opening near Trezin in Argolia. When Eurystheus beheld Cerberus, he stood aghast, and despairing of ever getting rid of his hated rival, he returned the hellhound to the hero, who restored him to Aedes, and with this last task the subjection of Heracles to Eurystheus terminated. Murder of Iphitus Free at last Heracles now returned to Thebes and it being impossible for him to live happily with Megara in consequence of his having murdered her children, he, with her own consent, gave her in marriage to his nephew Iolaus. Heracles himself sought the hand of Ioli, daughter of Eurytus, king of Ecalia, who had instructed him when a boy in the use of the bow. Hearing that this king had promised to give his daughter to him who could surpass himself and his three sons in shooting with the bow, Heracles lost no time in presenting himself as a competitor. He soon proved that he was no unworthy pupil of Eurytus, for he signally defeated all his opponents. But although the king treated him with marked respect and honour, he refused, nevertheless, to give him the hand of his daughter, fearing for her a similar fate to that which had befallen Megara. Iphitus, the eldest son of Eurytus, alone espoused the cause of Heracles, and essayed to induce his father to give his consent to the marriage, but all to no purpose, and at length stung to the quick at his rejection, the hero angrily took his departure. Soon afterwards, the oxen of the king were stolen by the notorious thief Autolycus, and Heracles was suspected by Eurytus of having committed the theft. But Iphitus loyally defended his absent friend, and proposed to seek out Heracles and, with his assistance, to go in search of the missing cattle. The hero warmly welcomed his staunch young friend and entered cordially into his plan. They at once set out on their expedition, but their search proved altogether unsuccessful. When they approached the city of Tiryns, they mounted a tower in hopes of discovering the missing herd in the surrounding country. But as they stood on the topmost summit of the building, Heracles became suddenly seized with one of his former attacks of madness, and mistaking his friend Iphitus for an enemy, Hurled him down into the plain below, and he was killed on the spot. Heracles now set forth on a weary pilgrimage, begging in vain that someone would purify him from the murder of Iphitus. It was during these wanderings that he arrived at the palace of his friend Admetus, whose beautiful and heroic wife Alcestes he restored to her husband after a terrible struggle with death, as already related. Soon after this event Heracles was struck with a fearful disease, and betook himself to the temple of Delphi, hoping to obtain from the oracle the means of relief. The priestess, however, refused him a response on the ground of his having murdered Iphitus, whereupon the angry hero seized upon the tripod, which he carried off, declaring that he would construct an oracle for himself. Apollo, who witnessed the sacrilege, came down to defend his sanctuary, and a violent struggle ensued. Zeus once more interfered, and, flashing his lightnings between his two favourite sons, ended the combat. The Pythia now vouchsafed an answer to the prayer of the hero, and commanded him, in expiation of his crime, to allow himself to be sold by Hermes for three years as a slave, The purchase money to be given to Eurytus in compensation for the loss of his son. Heracles becomes the slave of Omphale. Heracles bowed in submission to the divine will, and was conducted by Hermes to Omphale, queen of Lydia. The three talents which she paid for him were given to Eurytus, who, however, declined to accept the money, which was handed over to the children of Iphitus. Heracles now regained his former vigour. He rid the territory of Omphale of the robbers which infested it, and performed for her various other services requiring strength and courage. It was about this time that he took part in the Caledonian boar-hunt, details of which have already been given. When Omphale learned that her slave was none other than the renowned Heracles himself, she at once gave him his liberty and offered him her hand and kingdom in her palace heracles abandoned himself to all the innovating luxuries of an oriental life and so completely was the great hero enthralled by the fascination which his mistress exercised over him that whilst she playfully donned his lion's skin and helmet he attired in female garments sat at her feet spinning wool and beguiling the time by the relation of his past adventures. But when at length, his term of bondage having expired, he became master of his own actions, the manly and energetic spirit of the hero reasserted itself, and tearing himself away from the palace of the Mionian queen, he determined to carry out the revenge he had so long meditated against the treacherous Laomedon and the faithless Orgeas. Heracles executes vengeance on Laomedon and Orgeas. Gathering round him some of his old brave companions in arms, Heracles collected a fleet of vessels, and set sail for Troy, where he landed, took the city by storm, and killed Laomedon, who thus met at length the retribution he had so richly deserved. To Telamon, one of his bravest followers, he gave Hesione, the daughter of the king, in marriage. When Heracles gave her permission to release one of the prisoners of war, she chose her own brother Podarses, whereupon she was informed that as he was already a prisoner of war she would be compelled to ransom him. On hearing this, Hesione took off her golden diadem, which she joyfully handed to the hero. Owing to this circumstance, Podarses henceforth bore the name of Priamus, or Priam, which signifies the ransomed one. Heracles now marched against Orgias to execute his vengeance on him also for his perfidious conduct. He stormed the city of Elis, and put to death Orgias and his sons, sparing only his brave advocate and staunch defender Phileus, on whom he bestowed the vacant throne of his father. HERACLES AND DIONIRA Heracles now proceeded to Calydon, where he wooed the beautiful Dionyra, daughter of Aeneus, king of Aetolia, but he encountered a formidable rival in Achelous the river god, and it was agreed that their claims should be decided by single combat. Trusting to his power of assuming various forms at will, Achillous felt confident of success. But this availed him nothing, for having at last transformed himself into a bull, his mighty adversary broke off one of his horns and compelled him to acknowledge himself defeated. After passing three happy years with Dionyra. an unfortunate accident occurred, which for a time marred their felicity. Heracles was one day present at a banquet given by Aeneus, when, by a sudden swing of his hand, he had the misfortune to strike on the head a youth of noble birth, who, according to the custom of the ancients, was serving the guests at table, and so violent was the blow that it caused his death. The father of the unfortunate youth, who had witnessed the occurrence, saw that it was the result of accident, and therefore absolved the hero from blame. But Heracles resolved to act according to the law of the land, banished himself from the country, and bidding farewell to his father-in-law, set out for Trachin to visit his friend King Saix, taking with him his wife Dianira and his young son Hylus. In the course of their journey they arrived at the river Evenus, over which the centaur Nessus was in the habit of carrying travellers for hire. Heracles, with his little son in his arms, forded the stream unaided, entrusting his wife to the care of the centaur, who, charmed with the beauty of his fair burden, attempted to carry her off. But her cries were heard by her husband, who, without hesitation, shot Nessus through the heart with one of his poisoned arrows. Now the dying centaur was thirsting for revenge. He called Dionyra to his side and directed her to secure some of the blood which flowed from his wound, assuring her that if, when in danger of losing her husband's affection, she used it in the manner indicated by him, it would act as a charm and prevent her from being supplanted by a rival. Heracles and Dianira now pursued their journey, and after several adventures, at length arrived at their destination. Death of Heracles. The last expedition undertaken by the great hero was against Eurytus, king of Aechalia, to revenge himself upon this king and his sons for having refused to bestow upon him the hand of Iole, after having fairly won the maiden having collected a large army heracles set out for euboea in order to besiege ecalia its capital success crowned his arms he stormed the citadel slew the king and his three sons reduced the town to ashes and carried away captive the young and beautiful Ioli. returning from his victorious expedition heracles halted at Cineus in order to offer a sacrifice to zeus and sent to Dionyra to trachin for a sacrificial robe Dionyra, having been informed that the fair Ioli was in the train of heracles was fearful lest her youthful charms might supplant her in the affection of her husband and calling to mind the advice of the dying centaur she determined to test the efficacy of the love-charm which he had given to her taking out the phial which she had carefully preserved she imbued the robe with a portion of the liquid which it contained and then sent it to heracles the victorious hero clothed himself with the garment and was about to perform the sacrifice when the hot flames rising from the altar heated the poison with which it was imbued and soon every fibre of his body was penetrated by the deadly venom. The unfortunate hero, suffering the most fearful tortures, endeavoured to tear off the robe, but it adhered so closely to the skin that all his efforts to remove it only increased his agonies. In this pitiable condition he was conveyed to Trachin, where Dionyra, on beholding the terrible suffering of which she was the innocent cause, was overcome with grief and remorse, and hanged herself in despair. The dying hero called his son Hylus to his side, and desired him to make Aioli his wife, and then ordering his followers to erect a funeral pyre, he mounted it and implored the bystanders to set fire to it, and thus in mercy to terminate his insufferable torments but no one had the courage to obey him until at last his friend and companion philoctetes yielding to his piteous appeal lighted the pile and received in return the bow and arrows of the hero soon flames on flames ascended and amidst vivid flashes of lightning accompanied by awful peals of thunder Pallas Athene descended in a cloud, and bore her favourite hero in a chariot to Olympus. Heracles became admitted among the immortals, and Hera, in token of her reconciliation, bestowed upon him the hand of her beautiful daughter Hebe, the goddess of eternal youth. End of section 25, part 2 Recording by Graham Redman